Brands Impacting Social Issue, hosted by Grazia. Welcome to this live Bauer Media podcast recording. You're live on Bauer Media, please do not sweat. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about what happens when brands use their influence for social good. So I'm going to get my panel to introduce themselves. Hi everyone, I'm Rebecca Holman, I'm Digital Director for Grazia. Um, and I'm Danielle Wotton, I'm the Head of Marketing for the Disability Equality Charity Scope. And I'm Vicky Spratt, uh, Editor-at-Large of Grazia, and I've also done a lot of campaigning on housing, basically. So let's start with, let's start with Grazia. Grazia has such a long history of campaigning and taking up social causes. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think the sort of most... Um, prominent example of that is the Mind the Pay Gap campaign, um, which was launched in 2015, and it was a campaign that um, looked at how to tackle the gender pay gap, essentially, and what the team at Grazi did, and this was before my time, was identified a very specific part of the law, which was Section 78 of the 2010 Equality Act, um, which based and looked at amending this and calling for um, companies over a certain size to have their um, sort of pay levels published and made public and this is a really you know quite a niche bit of the law but a really specific way of tackling the gender pay gap in a really meaningful way um, and once um, the brand had identified this they were able to get Sarah Champion um, an MP on board to back the amendment um, Gloria De Piero who's a Labour MP also backed the amendment um, there was people like Gemma Arterton backed it and you know she was um Started in Maiden Dagenham, and actually the women who were the original women from, you know, Maiden Dagenham also backed the campaign. So it had, you know, it really sort of got a lot of momentum. And actually now that law has been changed, um, and that's a really fantastic example of taking quite a broad issue, I think, and finding a really niche niche part of the law, a really specific thing that you can sort of call for change with, and then drive that forward. I remember that as a reader of Grazia yeah. um, before I was working in this industry and that was something I felt like it really, really spoke to its audience and it felt like it was a brand that was on our side. And that, and I think that's so important and it also, um, I was working on the debrief at the time and actually that really inspired us to look at how we could change the law and what we could do to drive change for our readers, which obviously you know loads about. Well, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> and for you, what, what does it mean when a brand like Grazia or like the debrief when we did Make Renting Fair can take on a cause? Because you've done some work with Grazia. Yeah, I think it's it's really important actually because um, I think that example that you just gave Rebecca is so important because what you were looking at was actually something very tangible that can change. Um, I work at a charity where we're trying to achieve change all the time for disabled people and actually what that means is um, you know, there are lots of things that are unfair. Um, there are 14 million disabled people in the UK and most of them face some form of prejudice every single day. And so actually you need individual brands, individual organi organisations to use their influence to change the things that their consumers, their readers actually feel passionately about. And all those little incremental changes that brands can make actually amount to the big difference that a lot of charities are aiming to make. So when Grazia got in touch with us, I think it was August, September, it was for their big fashion issue. Um, they were planning to go out with a 
cover of um, five disabled women on their cover. I think it was the first issue that had ever featured um, that many disabled women on one cover. Um, it was, you know, that's a game changer for us. That's really important to see a mainstream, um, you know, mainstream media outlet actually championing disability because we know that representation is, you know, such a big part of changing attitudes. And actually, just to sort of jump in from a brand perspective, working with you guys and making, you know, making sure we were able to land the right message and use the right language was so important. So yeah. I think it has to, it's definitely a two-way. Yeah, thing. absolutely. And we don't, you know, we don't expect. Um, other organisations, other brands to know everything. Like we're very grateful when they come to us and ask our opinion and, and actually, you know, recognise our expertise and our credibility. Um, because you know, lots of these things are new, kind of relatively scary areas for brands. And you know, that's our thing. We do, we don't want brands to be too scared to do it. Disability is still very taboo in 2018, which is sort of staggering. Um, but you know, it was what a series of phone calls, a few emails, a bit of feedback on some of the language, and like, hey, Presto, there's like a really brilliant article that had a you know really positive response from the readership so it was brilliant no brainer on that point i think it's really important to be able to open up these conversations isn't it whether it is about gender pay or about disabilities because actually a lot of readers might not necessarily know the right language mm -hmm. and they might be worried about getting it wrong and it's a way of being able to change the conversation and challenge the status quo i think so because language is pervasive isn't it it's like we pick it up from the media from just our natural environments and so to see um you know disability language is a very sort of hot topic and lots of people feel very differently about it but again to see a sort of weekly women's mag with a huge readership just use what is termed as the correct and appropriate language makes a big difference because people can say oh yeah I shouldn't really say that I should think about it this way and you start to see different perspectives and different views on things well, let's talk about Make Renting Fair for a moment, because um, obviously working with people like yourself is really important, but some of the feedback we've had as well is another side to that, which I think mirrors the gender pay gap campaign, is that politicians and stakeholders and charities like Shelter really wanted us to be doing that work as well. And having changed the law off the back of Make Renting Fair, the feedback we got there was actually you showing us that this issue matters to your readers mm -hmm. to the extent that they will sign a petition and turn out in numbers to protest means that we will take them more seriously and the idea that um, a lot of old men <laughs> in um, Whitehall were reading the debriefs coverage of the housing crisis was kind of amazing. It was amazing and I think with that it was so our Make Renting Fair campaign, um, which we did on the debrief, was we were looking at the housing crisis as a broader issue and specifically how it was affecting millennials who are often renters. And what we honed in on with that was the fact that um, letting agents fees in England are completely unregulated or were completely unregulated. In Scotland, they've been banned completely. Is that Since correct? 2012. Yeah. So this is something that sort of no one has really realised. And when we highlighted this and we started campaigning to get the law changed, it, it gave kind of renters a real an issue to really hone in on and focus on. And I think... Um, and that's what started a huge conversation, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it worked two ways, because I think what's important is that doing this can engage your audience as well as engage stakeholders. So it's kind of a two sides of the coin that both work really well. Yeah, and I think as well that um, if I was Shelter in that experience or I was the head of marketing at Shelter, I would be thinking, this is an audience I can't reach. Um, you know, it's a lot harder for me to get like with my budget, my limited little baby charity budget, like to get that kind of, um, you know, that 
kind of eyes on on an issue. So yeah, I can totally see how they would just get get behind it. So politics is everywhere, particularly today. Um, <laughs> it's kind of impossible to escape. And I think what we are seeing is a lot of brands wanting to get involved. Mm. Um, what does it take to do this well? To take on a social cause and change the law or open up a conversation like with the disability cover. Um, what what does what does a good example of this look like? Um, I think it is about um, it's about credibility and authenticity, and I think. Um, you know, brands are businesses as well, and I think it has to kind of run through the DNA of the business. Um, so we did a project with Maltesers in 2016 around the Paralympics where they'd entered a competition with Channel 4, um, and, and Channel 4 set this competition that was a million pounds worth of free airtime on Channel 4 during the Paralympics. So obviously huge for any brand. Um, and the kind of, you know, the the, um, the brief, as it was, was about normalising disability. It's like, use disability in your mainstream advertising. Um, so Maltesers, um, their sort of brand message is all about, like, look on the light side. So they wanted to work with a brand that had done some stuff around disability and comedy, which we had, and using humour to, to tackle a prejudice. Um, but I think, you know, when we're making that decision about whether we're going to partner with a brand, obviously our brand has, our, we have our own reputation to think about. So, you know, we had to do our due diligence and really look at what was their quality and diversity policies like, like how many disabled people are they employing um, and what is their commitment to being a more, um, you know, inclusive and diverse um, diverse place to work and I think we just got a really good sense from them. It was like it was running through the DNA of the business and therefore we felt that we could go into that partnership feeling really confident that they would, you know, acknowledge um, our expertise, listen to us, hear what we had to say on the issue because they, you know, they were very, um, I think as well you have to be modest, they were very modest, they were saying we weren't the experts but that's why we brought you on board so it's, it's about like that meeting of minds I think. And how does that feed in with the most recent Bauer campaign, Where's Your Head At? Well, I think, I think so Where's Your Head At is a <laughs> Bauer-wide campaign, so, um, so all our brands got involved. Um, I'm not going to remember all of them, but like Grazia Heat, Closer, um, Kiss, Absolute, it was, you know, a real meeting of some really big, fantastic brands. And we knew we wanted to do something, um, we wanted to look at the issue of mental health. And so we did a big survey um, across all our audience and the results were really surprising. We expected people to come back and say that social media was causing um, the biggest amount of anxiety in their lives and actually most people came back and said it was work. Um, and this, you know, work was causing the most stress in their lives and we realised this was the issue we really wanted to hone in on and tackle. Um, so we also discovered that sort of one in six people has had um, a sort of mental health, a mental health issue in the workplace. Um, and of those people, almost half of them would have then lied to their boss about why they were off sick. Um, and this increased in London. So people would rather say they had an upset stomach, they had a migraine, than to admit they were suffering from anxiety or depression. Um, so the Where's Your Head At campaign launched, and what we were calling for, or what we are still calling for, in fact, because it hasn't finished yet, is a um, change in the law so that businesses over a certain size have to have a mental first aider present in the workplace in the same way as they have to have a medical first aider in the workplace. So I think with that campaign, again, we took a, a broader issue of mental health in the workplace and we managed to sort of hone it in on a really specific change in the law, something that should be changed and is fairly easy to change and it's a tangible thing to call for and that became the nucleus of the bigger campaign. Um, so we're still working on that at the minute. We've delivered a 
petition with a quarter of a million signatures to number 10. Um, we're about to look at getting a debate in Parliament on this. And I think all the elements which, you know, which make this work are the broader issue that really speaks to our audience, the specific law change we're calling for, the, the specific move for change, um, huge amount of public support, and then the support of celebrities, you know, well-known faces, and also MPs, which is crucial. I think that's a really interesting point. It's not enough just to take on one big, huge issue that's actually quite difficult to solve if you take it on as a whole. You need to hone in on a specific thing that's quite tangible that you can really move forward and say, yeah, we've actually taken this on. It's a small step forwards and we can show that we've made a change. And also, it's, it's also slightly about giving politicians, you know, a piece of good news in, into their lap. Like, you know, if you change this... If you change this, if you do this, people are going to be really grateful, people are going to be really pleased, and you're going to be responding to you know, a call for change. So it's kind of making their life easier as well. Well, I think we saw that with Make Renting Fair, when the announcement that they were going to ban letting fees actually came in the budget, which we found out the night before. Yes, um, but last minute. That was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they didn't have any other good news, but it gave them an opportunity to do something good, and obviously that was a win for us. Um, so there are quite a lot of other examples of brands taking on social mm. causes. One that I've been thinking about a lot recently, because it's very unusual for the BBC to take anything on, is David Attenborough talking yeah. about plastics. Yeah. And the feedback with that has been in incredible. Yeah, I think... Um, I was thinking about this this morning. Like We're in a bit of like age of, con like age of consciousness, aren't we? Like We are as you know a society becoming more aware of issues and therefore lots of organization that i feel you know have been more bipartisan or have been scared to get involved in in debate are realizing you can't really not get involved in debate anymore and like you know i think seeing iceland and like what they've been up to for the past few weeks they've got a, like you know an orangutan walking around central london like they're clearly not scared of that controversy anymore because i think if it's coming from the right place around wanting to see positive change in society about the things that people say they are like they care passionately about then you know whilst there might always be some detractors as long as you're confident that you've got some like good sort of you know um, a good sort of grounding of support for it then and it's important to your brand then you should continue to push well, it. Weren't, weren't Iceland really living it because they I think they sort of they did a survey of which you know supermarkets have the most products with palm oil in and they came up with one of the worst and they've yeah. since taken massive moves to reverse that so yeah like know. lots of people are saying that they're being tokenistic but they're not they've been um they've m made an intent in april of this year around removing palm oil from all their um, label products and um it's their first christmas range with no palm oil in it um and you know I think that you know they have the credibility to stand up and say that yeah, this is something we feel passionately about, mm. and therefore you can say that we're tokenistic, but they know the truth of it. But you definitely need that. Um, like a brand has to be, they they have to have that credibility, and I think for a media brand, it's got to be you know an issue that they're all you know your audience is going to yeah. really really care about and is really close to their hearts. Yeah. Um, and I guess if it's a you know a consumer brand, it's got to be something where they can actually back it up. Yeah. But it does feel like at the moment you would be remiss almost not to be doing anything and when people mm. aren't taking action actually they're 
users, readers, consumers do tell them about it. Mm -hmm. And polling shows that the under 35s maybe are less likely to be the member of a political party, but way more likely to sign a petition or yeah. champion a cause. Mm -hmm. So it does feel like there's been this groundswell of interest and I guess I would call it pressure. Yeah, and I think it's like a... Um, like people are doing things for themselves aren't they as well which is like you know you don't have to wait for an organization or a charity or a media brand to put an issue on the table like because of social media and the, and the way the media works now you can you can quite quickly raise an issue to the top of an agenda um, and so therefore I think you know there's a certain expectation on brands to do that as well um, I think it's just you know you have to just be careful I suppose around when you're doing it and why um, like you don't want want to be the brand that at Pride just turns your logo to a rainbow but then doesn't do anything else. Like it's just about yeah, having that really authentic voice and knowing why you're doing it. And it might be that your audience tells you what's important before you realise it. And actually, you know, nowadays there's no excuse for not you know, we're, we're always having a constant conversation with our audience, constant feedback and constantly responding to that. So, you know, if there is an issue that's really close to their hearts then we, we should be looking at that. And that's how the equal pay campaign came about and that's how the housing stuff came about and the mental health stuff. So it's doing audience surveys, collecting data and seeing what's actually going on in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, how can you make their lives a bit better? I think that's, you know, a really important thing. And I think as well it's reminding people sometimes that things... Um, People think issues are further away from them than they are. Um, like with disability, I definitely come across this daily, which is like people think it doesn't touch them, but then when you talk about one in five people, like a fifth of the UK population, like people start to like wrap their brains and go, oh yeah, actually my aunt or my cousin, and like it starts to like become more real to them. Mm. Um, and I think you know things like seeing yourself represented in a magazine. I think. Um, if you'd never seen anyone in a wheelchair in a fashion shoot before as a young disabled girl, like, what must that mean to you to suddenly have that thrust in front of you? Like, I think some of those quite small things, you can't, um, you can't underestimate the impact of them, actually. They, they make such a huge difference to people. It's an immense privilege to have that platform to actually be able to put things in front of people that maybe do slowly change the status quo going forward yeah like perhaps one day it won't be unusual to see a disabled person on the front cover of a magazine yeah absolutely that's our aim like you know most charities are trying to work themselves into non-existence like that's the idea really you shouldn't want to be here in 15 20 years time like especially not an issue like disability equality like we want to live in an equal society and yet you know we we know there are still so many hurdles to to get across and the feed i mean the feedback we got from that issue was amazing and mm. just the feedback from you know the women who we featured as well yeah. it was incredible and you don't you know as a non-disabled person you don't you just don't realize it until yeah it's you know it's put in front of you like that yeah like mary uh, russell who's one of the women featured like we've worked with her for a long time and i know that she's really passionate about fashion really passionate about inclusion in that world and you know is doing a lot herself to to, to try and push that agenda forward and so I think it's like you know having this big brand come behind you and say well actually we believe in this too is you know it's going to spur spur her on individually as well to kind of keep pushing her own agenda because she knows that it's got some bite and some traction and actually it does like you said you get good feedback off it it actually makes sense yeah and it's quite um it's, it's almost quite it's quite an emotional thing and you realize when you've really landed a you know you know an important topic so like with where's your head at which was you know across all our brands 
we ran a big change.org petition and within a few days we'd had thousands and thousands of comments from, pe you know, from people um, around the country talking about their own experiences of mental health in the workplace, feeling like they couldn't speak out. Um, and that stuff was really moving and it's amazing, it was, you know, it, it was amazing what people were willing to share and wanted to talk about and I think, and that's when you know you've really, you know, sort of landed on something good. And maybe empowered some of those people to not call in sick for another reason mm -hmm. and to um, make them feel like they can tell their boss if that's why they need to take some time out. Mm -hmm. like, that's the net positive of it. And I think when people share those experiences with you, those, you know, their own personal experiences, like, you really have to do it justice. That's the other thing about, like, when you're a brand and you're therefore going to, like, get behind a cause, like, you have to really think, okay, like, this person's put their, like, heart and soul on the line and shared it, and so therefore, like, you know, the, I don't know, the bar that you set then suddenly becomes even higher because it's actually, like, you know, these are individuals who've been really honest with you and giving you that evidence that you need. Great, so I think we have a microphone somewhere if anyone has any questions. I think I commend Grazia for having disability on the front page and models. But do, are you not anxious from your perspective that it's like a, it's a one shot? You, know, you get quite a lot of kudos from that, it's quite it's a good thing to do, it's a great thing to do. But if it's a one off wonder, is it really having the impact? It's like saying, oh, I'm not going to have a plastic bottle today but actually for the rest of the year I'm going to have plastic bottles. Um, and we should, should we not really be pushing to say actually it's not about having four disabled models on the cover one week but actually disabled models constantly and, and, re and really doing that because actually that's real change. Yeah, I think it's a really Brett's good... here as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll start and then I'll let you go, so I'll throw you in it. Um, no, it, I think it's a really good point. Like, we, like I said, we would always take a, a, a call on whether we think something is tokenistic. Like, I don't want to reveal too much around, like, what Grazia are doing, but I think that, you know, this issue really hit quite a resonant point with them, and they've got some um, plans and ideas around how they want to kind of champion this cause further. So I think that really meant something to us, is, like, that we could... I mean, it shouldn't. Well, in a way, you know, should it just be? I mean, because that's what you're campaigning for. It's yeah, about normality. Yeah, I mean, it should be. Yeah, definitely. But I, I mean, sorry, it shouldn't be. But I think, unfortunately, it is. it is. Yeah, that's the issue. I think, you know, we did a piece of research earlier this year that said over half of disabled people, or nearly half of disabled people, still feel excluded from society, um, which you know is seven million people. It's not. It's not a small issue. And also. Um, like the disabled consumer market is worth 250 billion a year, and so the, and then these are you know disabled consumers who then actually can't physically get in shops, don't see themselves represented in advertising and so on. So, like there's still so much left to do, and I think from our perspective, it's like it's that it is that small pushing of incremental change. It's like someone wants to do something positive, as long as they do it in the right way, then we are gonna we're gonna get behind it. But we are gonna challenge them and push them a bit harder. But you know, that would be my challenge to Grazia is like, what is next or what would you like to see happen or what issues did it raise for you that you didn't maybe, you weren't aware until you spoke to these women? Yeah, I mean, I think you're totally right. And it's, you know, the first thing we said afterwards is, is this can't be a, a one-off thing. This has got to be something we keep looking at. But it's, you know, it is also about making those small incremental changes until it becomes, you know, until it becomes what we're doing every day. And that, you know, that doesn't happen overnight, but you are totally right. You know, a one-off issue to get kudos isn't what we were after, um, and it certainly shouldn't be what like any brand's doing. Mm. I also think it's really obvious when brands are doing that, though. Mm. 
people see through it. I don't think it's in anyone's interest. Readers will see through you in an instant if you're being tokenistic. It's about constantly making sure what you do speaks to the widest range of people possible and that you keep challenging conversations and pushing them forward. And obviously that takes work, but I think that's what has to be done. Yeah, Con- consumers are so savvy these days, aren't they? They don't just take things on face value anymore. They research and they look like beneath the surface. I think there are some like really great one-off examples um, but I think like you know M&S have done some great stuff recently with creating like accessible children's clothing for disabled kids and stuff like that but I know that that's like product development time that takes six months so then they'll like you know it takes them six months to do it then they have the moment and launch and it's a hit and then they're off developing something else so it does look a bit sort of you know one-off sometimes but actually if we know that the work is happening behind the scenes and we'll do what we can to try and push it and support it further and i think as you know as any brands and i'm sure you know if you saw this as well you have to know what your values are and then keep striving to you know stick to them all the time and that's not easy but it is you know it's just about having that constant conversation and constantly readjusting and balancing and looking at what you're doing Hi, I was just wondering, um, in some ways, kind of all of these subjects are coming much more into the public domain with things like Time's Up, but then you're also facing a lot more hurdles in certain political leaders, like reversing climate change or even denying it. Um, What kind of social responsibility do you think kind of Grazia play within the whole ecosystem of raising awareness for some of these issues? I recently wrote a piece about why I didn't report, which is another hashtag kind of in the vein of Me Too, Time's Up, um, why women don't report sexual assault. And we interviewed women who still aren't reporting sexual assault and told their stories in this piece. And I think the point was, yeah, all of this is great, but let's not forget that a hashtag on Twitter that some women are using doesn't speak for all women. And I think that's the responsibility of journalism generally is to keep interrogating these things and not be like, oh yeah, me too, great, problem solved. I don't, um, I don't think anyone thinks the problem is solved. Um, uh, yeah, and also, um, I think, uh, yeah, a really good point is speaking to all women and not, you know, not the, just the vocal few. So I think that's also, you know, um, a balance we need to kind of hit. But I think increasingly all women's brands are realising that they, you know, they have a big platform and a big responsibility to use that. And I mean, when we launched the debrief, it was kind of part of our DNA, and I think a lot, you know, a lot of other brands um, sort of play catch up with that. But you know, I don't think you'd ever launch anything today that wasn't, you know, really focused on sort of social change. Hi, what are the main ways in which you identify the issues to go after? I think you kind of referenced at the start, but is there anything more mechanical behind behind how you kind of poll the things that you think your readers would be most kind of keenly aligned with or attuned to or do you just look broadly at societal issues and think that's something that fits our values I think I mean make renting fair was kind of a no-brainer because housing was such a big issue that no one had found a good way of talking about in a kind of relatable way to our audience so we'd really you know we spent a lot of time thinking about what was the one thing we could try and change around that um, and I think the gender pay gap stuff, you know, again, it would have been endless conversations about, we keep talking about this stuff, but how do we want to change it? Um, so I do think it is about, it's often, in my experience, been about a really broad nebulous issue that's just on in the background and no one's really worked out how to make change yet. And then identifying what that one specific kind of focus area is. 
Yeah, but it's definitely not arbitrary. Like, it can't just be, oh, here's a thing that's going on, let's align ourselves mm. with it. With housing, whenever we wrote about housing on the debrief, the feedback we got was so immense. It was something that when we asked our readers, like, what are you thinking about at the moment? What's the thing that worries you the most? Um, will I ever be able to buy a house was the main thing. Um, and then so much data was coming out, like one in three millennials will never own a home. Um, there will be, you know, half the population will be renting by 2040, that kind of stuff. So the momentum was already there and it felt And you, were, you were living it. That was yeah. part of it. it, was, it was Don't remind me. Was, you know. <laughs> but it was so anxiety-inducing. And I think also when your team is made up of people who are also in your demographic then it's very clear in your morning meeting, in your features meeting, like what the issues that affect us and the audience are. And I think that's true of equal pay as well. I mean, it's illegal to pay men and women differently, and yet, still here we are. Um, so I think it, it was kind of, yeah, from the audience, but also from the team. Yeah. Hi, I was interested in your comment about um, people having excuses and, and not if they feel so stressed that they don't feel that they can own up to it and they use other excuses maybe not to come into work. Um, I just wondered in your own internal company cultures if you, if you already have this sort of support in place um, with the sort of mental first aider and, and how you went about setting that up? Um, well, I mean... At Bauer, yeah, we do have mental health first aiders and actually this campaign has been a real driver to sign more up and to kind of open up those conversations. It's actually, um, you know, already pretty good, but it has kind of made us like relook at, interrogate what the kind of support networks are for people. Um, so, and, you know, there's, you know, increasingly more mental health first aiders available in every building now and that's become a much more prominent thing. So, I mean, before we did the campaign, I didn't even realise we had them in Bauer, for example. Um, so yeah, it's made us kind of look at what we're doing and make sure we're doing it better, certainly. And, and Scope as well? Yeah, well, at Scope we're pan-disability, so that it does include mental health. Um, and a lot of what we do, I suppose, is like, you know, one of our big aims is to get more disabled people into work. Um, there's, you know, a million disabled people who can and want to work but aren't in work currently. Um, so we, you know, we talk a lot about like bringing your whole self to work and that's very much a culture that we have which is actually, you know, acknowledging that people have mental health issues, that, um, that often like the biggest thing with, um, with this type of thing is disclosure, it's that initial conversation and so creating, um, you know, very open, transparent networks, um, whether they're peer support networks or whether they're, you know, more indirect line management networks so that you can have those conversations and be really honest about them in the beginning. Um, but it has to be, you know, I think our experience is it's, it's driven by our chief exec at Scope. It's, you know, it's a big, um, and our executive leadership team, like, they really lead it. They talk about it a lot. So, it, again, it sort of starts to instill this culture that it's okay to be your whole self at work. Um, the mental first aider, first aider thing, I actually um, think is a complete genius call. Like, I didn't know that that wasn't a thing that you were meant to have. But we do have... Um, disability equality training at work which talks a lot about mental health so we've sort of maybe had a slightly different approach to it but sort of helps and makes it nice a place to work <laughs> thank you for more information on any of the topics raised please contact advertising at bowermedia.co.uk